die, monster. You don't belong in this world. It was not by my hand that I'm once again given flesh. I was called here by humans who wish to pay me tribute. Tribute? You steal men's souls and make them your slaves. Perhaps the same could be said of all religions. Your words are as empty as your soul. Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you? Welcome to Abnormal Mapping. I'm your host, Matthew Marco. With me is co-host Jackson Tyler. Hello, hello, hello. And co-host Destiny Sardavon. 37. <laughs> You're fucking stepping on my bits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can say it if I want. You gotta let the host host. So, as you might expect from someone ruining the joke, we are at episode 37. 37? Which is, yes. Which is significant <laughs> only in that it is a lot of dicks. I'm it's it's a large amount of dicks you know if you don't know what that is ask your parents kids (laughs) to how many hmm, parents will know what clerks is right yeah ask your well you just gave it away but ask your parents what 37 dicks means (laughs) that's what i want 37 dicks of shaolin no (laughs) it's too many dicks it's one too many dicks (laughs) one too many dicks. dicks Too many dicks. Too many dicks. So how's everybody doing on this fine uh, Halloween Eve? Oh, um, I need more coffee. Uh, well, um, I'm okay. I went to a game shop. Well, okay. Sure. I did that. Tell me, tell me about the experience of going to a game shop in 2015. Well, is, it, is it game or is it a different shop? It is the shop called Game because Game Station got closed down. Uh, well, at first it got bought out by Game and then they shut all of them. Uh, the un- there are two game shops that matters in the UK. There's game, there's game, and there's CEX, and they are as different as possibly could be. Uh, Isn't CEX like a CD and DVD place too? Not CDs, but yes, DVDs. Like it's oh, okay. basically all your discs, trade them in, and you can get them for cheap. CDs are discs. Yeah. In fact, but... it is the D in discs in CD. It does not stand for dick. I thought it stood for death. 37 compact dicks. <laughs> I mean, they would be easier to deal with. Than anyway. CDs? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I can think of... Anyway. Uh, so storage. Yeah. So, game shops are weird. There's one, there's not very many games in them anymore, which is fine. It just got got the toys, got those toys. Uh, like Toys to Life toys or toys, like actual toys just to life toys? toys? And also like here's a thirty pound figure of Assassin's Creed man, the impetuous brother. I think it was. It was the incorrigible brother. I don't know. The something brother, one of the brothers from the new Assassin's Creed. Oh, the, Both of those names are stupid, but incorrigible <laughs> is way more hilarious in terms <laughs> no, of a it's figure. It's not incorrigible. I think it might be the impetuous. Right, Jacob Fry. 
the it, just, well no no one's googled this i think it might be impetuous yeah it's okay. the impetuous brother and that's 30 pounds if you want an ugly ass what is statue. what is the what is the descriptor of uh, the sister it, it wasn't there the, it was just jacob fry the impetuous brother why would you go to jacob fry why wouldn't you just get a what's her name evie fry Edie Fry? Evie Fry. Evie Fry. Yeah. The Intrepid Sister is the other name. Okay. It was That's not, way I, cooler. Yeah, it's way cooler. I would watch a movie called The Intrepid Sister. I would mm-hmm. probably not watch... Nah, I'd probably watch The Impestuous Brother, but it's probably a very different movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so there's there's like a, a, <laughs> there's a store called... There's a shelf called Downloadable Content in which you can buy shirts and fucking Mountain Dew... Not Mountain Dew, like the actual UK energy drinks. That um, is, by definition, not downloadable content. Uh, yeah, it is physical-ass content right there in the store. Uh, so that's fun. But then I queue up, and I'm like, I'm oh, here. Oh, get in line. Yeah, I queue up. You get in line? Yep, I added my physical body to the queue. <laughs> uh, can you just say, get in line for me? <laughs> I got in line. Thanks. <laughs> it sounds or weird, online actually. if you're a New Yorker. New Yorkers aren't welcome here. <laughs> you got Wait. online. No, getting online means that I googled something. It doesn't mean that I got in a line. That's I hate how they say it in the East Coast. You get on the line. Yeah, East no, Coast wrong. is the worst coast. That, this, that, that's so wrong. Like, I'm glad that we have some common ground here to agree because you don't... On Anyway, uh, I'm and annoyed no with no coast the... is the best coast. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, but... So you stand in line, you you get get there, and I'm like, "Hello, I'd like my code for the Pokemon, please, because I need to send it to someone in Australia." And that happened. That was fun. Did you actually tell them that? No, I just said, can "Okay." I, can I have a, what? Can I have uh, wh- how did the codes work? You just get it on a receipt, and then you. So type- that's that's really weird to me because it used to be that you'd have to go, yes. and then there was like a Wi-Fi station there that-, that was provided by Nintendo that you connected to. That was how it used to be done in the past as well here, like everywhere. But they changed the codes because who the ca- like it just today when I was there, just girl woke, goes up to the counter, says, "Can I have two Hooper codes, please?" They print them out, she leaves. Like done, five seconds. Um, when I when uh, Dragon Quest Nine came out. Uh, I went to their like first like map release event at a GameStop, and it was me, the Nintendo representative, and about twenty like ten year olds, and we were just clearly the only adults in the room. So we just talked about RPGs for like twenty minutes mm-hmm. while these kids screamed and ran around the GameStop. <laughs> nice. And yeah. Today uh, I went in and use i didn't realize i had all these loyalty points bought up i like it remembered the last decade of times i've been to game because i haven't really been to game option and i used a bunch of loyalty points to get uh the talos principle for like free nice yeah because that was like that was out that was a disc uh and i picked that up and that was cool but they couldn't find it they couldn't find their copy of the talos principle because who the fuck would come into game to buy buy the talos principle well see first you have to like grab the beam redirector <laughs> and you place it in the center of the courtyard and that allows you to pass through the barrier that otherwise would prevent you from passing the, and i started having a conversation with the guy behind the desk and it was fun at first but then they just start individual like they say oh there's that what is that game is it cool and i'm like yeah a friend played it on pc they say it's cool I, I want the console version i can play it on my tv it looks great uh and then <laughs> they like start individually asking me for every single piece of bullshit video game like shop thing that they're clearly contractually mandated to do 
Yeah. And I was like, do you want... Do you want a loyalty card? Do you want uh, well, I, a I have a, a Game card. Informer? I, well, no, it's like, do you want uh, Game Care? Pay a £1 extra to protect your game for two years against scratches. I've never snapped a disc in half. I don't need this. No, I don't need this. Uh, and, it's, and then it's like, do you want a pre-order? Do you want a pre-order Fallout 4? No. Do you want a pre-order Assassin's Creed? That already came out. Do you want a pre-order? Uh. <laughs> he asked me if I wanted to pre-order Assassin's Creed, and then I felt so bad for him because he looked like, oh, no, I fucked that up. Because he'd been asking people to pre-order Assassin's Creed for so long on Reflex. To be fair, <laughs> the next one's probably available for pre-order already. Right. And it was it was just sad, but it was sad. But I, I got a boxed copy of the Talos Principle, so nice. I feel good about that at least. And it didn't yep. cost me any money. I mean, you will until you realize that it's like Portal, but like four times harder. Shit. <laughs> I like the Talos Principle, I you knew. but it's it's a hard game. Yeah, but I'll have a phone that can tell me where to put the box. Oh, oh, sure. And in between, you get to read about philosophy through terminals, and that's probably the best part. It's cool. It'll be like talking to Rick on Twitter, but a video game. It'll be better than that. <laughs> the Talos Principle doesn't have bad opinions about RPGs. Okay, moving on. Uh, I, uh, by the time this comes out, I will have had a birthday four days ago. Happy birthday. So Happy birthday. I am now ancient, and because I am decrepit and without a future, Jackson, for my birthday, got me a copy of Bloodborne. He did which, as of this recording, I have not actually played. So what's I your just first loaded impression of Bloodborne? Well, it, I needed to update my PS3, <laughs> so zero out of ten. <laughs> You're putting it in your PS3. You've already gone wrong. I mean, I, I put it in my PS3. The game had like a 2.6 gigabyte update, so modern don't, video games. Don't put your Bloodborne on your PS3. It won't work. Oh, sorry, my <laughs> PS4. Sorry. I don't. I use my PS3 so often that I just default to PS3. Because mm-hmm. the PS4 is just for watching things. I don't actually play games on it. Hey, you put net, like, what games are on the PS4? WWE Network. Like, only idiots put hundreds of hours into Metal Gear. Hulu Plus. I deleted my WWE network from the PS4. Destiny, what have you been up to? I've been up to, um, well, I have this neighbor, she's a bear, and she wanted me to... (laughs) Hang on! We we can't talk about, we cannot talk about this. Alright, well, eventually I'll talk about that, but that's what I've been up to. I've been decorating homes for animals, and other than that, you know, just thinking about... You know, other games I want to play. Thinking about them, but not playing them. Yeah. Being busy. busy. Yeah. How's Alpha Bear going? Alpha Bear and I, I'm stuck on the chapter, I think chapter six I'm stuck on. Haven't you been stuck on that chapter like forever? Yeah. The high score to move on is really high and I haven't gotten it yet. What if you just deleted the app? I like the game too much. Okay. <laughs> I can't imagine like being stuck on a game like that for that long and still I can. playing it. I can. Well, it's not the kind of game where... Okay, so Alpha Bear, you know, you're spelling out words all the time. So there's always something to play. There's always a goal, like, to come up with longer, more point-getting words. Uh, uh, excuse me, like, words that uh, gain you more points. So, like, it doesn't get boring when you're stuck because you're just coming up with words over and over the rounds are different every day there's still bears to unlock from past levels there's still coins to get so it's not like i'm uh stuck and can't still have things to do like it's still a good time killer game to play on the bus 
mm-hmm. when uh, my book gets too depressing and I don't have my 3DS, you know? And I feel like with mobile games as a thing, like uh, there's the time when you're playing them when you're actually making progress, and that stops very quickly because I've been like... Like every single time you pass a high score or you get to the next thing uh, in mobile games, the time till the next milestone like increases exponentially. Uh, yeah. I played a bunch of uh, Jetpack Joyride like four years ago. I played. Oh, I love Jetpack that, Joyride. It's so good. I love. I like downloaded it again. That they've like kept adding stuff to it. That's weird. But in 2011, I basically did everything there was to do in that game over the course of a few months. But. Like at, at the start, it was just every every run something new happening. But then eventually, it was just every few months I would attack. I would like cross off one of the other objectives because they're so hard, and you just kept playing it because it was there. Sure, like, for me, like the difference is like an endless runner. Like mechanically, the second to second is like interesting, but like beating my head against a puzzle game, I find very frustrating. That's fair. I uh. I assume that for Destiny, like the the second to second of alphabet is interesting just making those words yeah that's the fun part trying to figure out like okay i have two u's a y a j an e a t and an o and i have to use the o before it turns to stone so what word can i make i so my problem like fundamentally is the idea that i could just let words turn to stone is unconscionable this is this is why where me and alphabet parted ways because it was like just anxiety injection yeah, that's really that's, funny I had that to me. same response. Because to me, like you're gonna have to let some go. You can't use no. If that was good enough, no. I save them all. I will save every word. Who else can turn sometimes. stone? It's literally impossible though. There's some words. You, you, there's just some letters you won't be able to use. No, no, no stones. No stones. It would work if they were all s's, because then you could pluralize every word. But Alt like, F four, delete local content. No if stones. The option is learn to let go, or just throw my phone into a river. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool so that's i guess that's where we're at um we're not really doing what we've been playing as much because we have an idea for those i guess you'll see soon yep hopefully hopefully we have cool ideas and uh so yeah let's uh wrap this bullshit up and let's move on to uh segment two <laughs> So, in honor of the Force Awakens trailer coming out, <laughs> which makes us maybe the worst people on Earth. Do you want to, uh, can we take that line reading again? Like you care. I care, that's why I'm so upset. <laughs> it is the earnestness that worries you. Yeah. Uh, me and Jackson have just been all in on the Star Wars. I mean, we've been doing, Jackson, you did your Let's Play of Lego Star Wars. Yep. I've been showing Destiny the prequel trilogy because she had not seen them. Um, and I, that ended with me the past couple days getting into Clone Wars real deep, which I actually really like. And now I'm like, maybe I should buy Disney Infinity, um, which brought us to this topic because the only Star Wars game, two games, I guess, are coming out this fall are Star Wars Battlefront and Disney Infinity 3.0, which is only marginally a Star Wars game. Mm hmm. And that's really weird. 
Uh, for reference, uh, we assume in going into this conversation that you have uh, we'll listened to the errant signal about peak Star Wars. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes, but absolutely watch that. Yeah, that's the jumping uh, off point for this whole thing. Because me and Jackson, even though like in many ways our frame of reference is like generationally different, I think we both exist in a world where Star Wars was totally just games for us. Yeah, like more than like first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, different games because of that gap, but still just games. Yeah, like for me, I guess the game I played a lot of Star Wars with is like Jedi Knight Two. Uh, I played a bunch of X Wing Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. I- I played Shadows of the Empire before I had seen Star Wars. Of course. <laughs> so. Dash Rendar. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Star Wars, Dash Rendar. Yeah, Mr. Star Wars. <laughs> that hot transmedia property, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire. Mr. Star Wars. No. No. So yeah, growing up with Star Wars everywhere, like we both played racing, the racing games. We oh, both we shit. played different ones, right? No, I played the PC version of Star Wars Episode One Racer. Okay, yeah, and, mine, okay, and then a lot of the N sixty four version because Project sixty four was big. Mm-hmm. So everyone was just pirating Nintendo okay. sixty four games in. And I just owned I just owned that game when it was new and played a ton of it. Yeah, no, no, the N sixty four games like I have a nostalgia there because everyone played Project sixty four. <laughs> Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, for me it was that. It was like the first Rogue Squadron for 64, and Rogue Squadron 2 is still one of my favorite games, which is a GameCube launch title. You have to one day play that with the textures. I will try my best. It would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so for me, Star Wars was always a thing that, like, if I wanted more Star Wars, especially with, like, video games, it was there. And I like, like... It's weird, because before this year, I would have told you I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I guess that's not true anymore. <laughs> you um, slowly realizing that you, like, going from, I don't really care, but I enjoy it, to, oh no, I am all in, <laughs> has been profound to watch. Uh, yeah, it's upsetting. But, um, <laughs> look, in the absence of Star Trek, I need to take or I can get it. Th- and that's uh, the healthy response, because my response is to be grumpy about other things. And that's not mm-hmm. good either. I mean, what am I going to do? Watch Doctor Who? No, I'm just going to watch Star Wars. <laughs> Everything I like is sad. Everything Aww. is dead. I got into Metal Gear this year. What the fuck am I doing? But, um, so it was always like, maybe I could just sit down and like swing a lightsaber in that episode one tie-in game. Like I played that game. I rented it. It's trash. It's for so the PS1. Bad. Yeah, but like it, it totally fills the need of hey, I like Star Wars. Let's play some Star Wars. You existing and in a world before Lego Star Wars is tragic. I, I got Lego Star Wars when it came out. Uh, no, I got the Lego Star Wars two when it came out. Mm-hmm. I didn't get Lego Star Wars one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so Lego Star Wars is just like the most like low key. Let's just explore the Star Wars universe through this like very simple game mechanic thing. Um, and it's, like, not groundbreaking, but it's super pleasant. And so when it came to, oh, I'm back in a Star Wars, shit, the only Star Wars video game is basically just a total conversion of Battlefield. I got really sad. Yep. Yeah. It's a real bummer. Yep. Because I think Battlefront looks terrible. So you've played the original Battlefronts, right? I have. I have. So what's the difference? Because uh, I don't know. Well, the big difference is that uh, the stuff I played a lot of in 2 was the space stuff, and they got rid of the space stuff. 
but the difference is like the way in which shooter design has been has like grown in the last decade has uh, like changed it from something more abstract to something very more focused on like a shooter being this realistic thing and just immersive experience because in Star Wars Battlefront uh, like third person mode was the bigger thing um, it was way more it just it just felt more Star Warsy. Uh, I don't know how why that's a thing when like it's clear they have taken painstaking effort to making the new Battlefront look like Star Wars, uh, but it was just ab- more abstracted, slightly smaller, slightly less violent, slightly more just ridiculous kid time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the big like I because I was like grumbling about the new Battlefront on Twitter, and then people were like, "Well, do you hate the old Battlefronts?" And I'm like, mm, "No," and I don't know why. I think part of it is because that was in a world where there was also a bunch of other Star Wars games existing. Uh, even though Battle- yeah. Battlefront was definitely one of the latest Star Wars games, uh, it was still in the time where Star Wars games were coming out left, right, and center, and and that was like, yeah, that was just what that that was. It was just a cool little thing that was like a rip off of Battlefield, but didn't feel exactly like it. It was way more content to be a video game. Like it wasn't about uh, like spot on shooting. The aim reticles were way bigger. It was way more about just being ridiculous units. Like I spent a lot of time being different droids. You would be a droidica that was cool because you're like, hey, they're cool things. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't as anywhere near as like sad as I feel the new Battlefront is because the new Battlefront is more explicitly this is a Battlefield game. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not even like the genre so much as like the age group it's targeting uh because when i when i think about star wars especially in like a modern context i think of star wars as like primarily for kids and it should be for kids first well that's what battlefront the original one was it was mostly for kids it was it was about hey you can be guys you can get in ridiculous vehicles it was way more light-hearted mm-hmm. uh, and the second one had this ridiculous story that was really dark and whatever but that was even that had like a tongue in its cheek about itself Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like when I think the I guess the problem, the disconnect is when I think about what kids are playing, like the actual answer is they're not playing video games on a console. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's fine that the only kids one is Disney Infinity because like there's like Tiny Death Star and uh, Angry Birds Star Wars and all of the like weird like reskins of mobile games that are Star Wars themed. And I guess that's probably what kids are playing, right? Yeah, the truth of it is that, like, video games are not... When you're a kid, you don't go get a video game console and then just play the things out on it. The world has changed. War has changed. <laughs> you're playing but... games on your mom's tablet. You're playing games yeah. on your phone. Mm-hmm. I get... But... And I guess that's fine. I guess it's a sign that I am old that I think that's really sad. It's sad. It can be sad. I don't think it's sad because like, they usually bad. move to consoles or PC, don't they? I don't know if that's true. Um, I'm just going off kids in my family. Oh, okay. But, I mean, if they move on to PC, like, what are the games that kids like to play now? It's like Survival Sims? Like, there's no Star Wars version of that, even. Like, there's no Star Wars Minecraft. There probably will be. But I think, like, like, in that peak Star Wars video, the core point is that even within the time where there was a bunch of Star Wars games coming out, like, there was a shift around the early 2000s to, like... This is Star Wars, but this game, rather than let's see how but, we can do this so in game. The implication of that video is that that's like, like it makes those ga- like once that happened, the games are like not interesting anymore. And I don't think that's necessarily no, I true. With that. Um, maybe like from a game design standpoint, it's less interesting. But at basic level, 
I think like interacting with your favorite like media franchise or whatever through games is like an important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like it still is. I'm sad that licensed games really don't exist in the way they did because I would I would still engage with a lot of them. Like when the when if a new Star Trek game came out, I would probably play it as long as it wasn't like that terrible shooter based on the Star Trek we don't talk about. Yeah, like Star Trek Bridge Com- Commander exists. Yeah, and but he's like so old. I mean, uh, I installed it on my last computer, and there's like that has an active mod scene behind it because it's the nice. only only game of its kind. So they're like mm-hmm. desperately trying to keep it up. Like there's a quick total conversion you can use yeah. to make it playable on modern PCs. But and yeah. like, uh, I started playing Marvel Heroes because uh, I'm like, oh, I have I like Marvel stuff. Kind of. I like the X-Men. And they're not going to make a new X-Men Legends game. And so Marvel Heroes is basically that. And that's nice. But, like, there's no Star Wars version of that. No. I I would probably play a Star Wars version if there was. Uh, I I don't know. Like, the thing with Star Wars is the... I think it's fine. Like, it's okay to make, like, just reskins if, like, they're things that people care about, like, the EA exclusivity, I think, is the thing that, like, makes, feels the grossest to me. Mm-hmm. Because EA basically only makes two types of games, sports, like, sports games, which Star Wars isn't going to fit into, and shooters. But who, who would you give it to that would actually, like, THQs are dead. The places that would make a bunch of, like, small little games for kids, like, they, they died. Well, so Disney Infinity is making, like, the, like, you know, the third-person action version of Star Wars that's yes. nice. I mean, it looks better than Force Unleashed, which isn't hard, to be fair. But um, <laughs> Jimmy like, Smith starred in that game. Give Telltale, like, a season of Star Wars for kids, like, specifically, like, Rebels, like, a Rebels episode oh, or game series. please do that! <laughs> yeah. Like, they're doing Minecraft. Like, that's explicitly made for kids, and this would even, like... Like, be the same thing, basically. Like, if instead of having an exclusivity, it would just allow people to pitch Star Wars game ideas. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it was with LucasArts for a while. Like, it, LucasArts did a bunch in-house. People were like, like, Pandemic pitched Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. And they made it. Where is the, like, quick and dirty reskin of FTL as a Star Wars game? It's it's not. It doesn't exist. Yeah, but it should. I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like as bad about it as you do. Like I feel like it's a shame, but I feel like that less about Star Wars, more in general, like licensed games. Yeah, stuff. sure. But like specifically, this was kicked off by Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And like the thing is, like clearly, a lot of money and energy is going into making new Star Wars stuff. But the stuff that they're making is so limited. I feel like they're just like closing out. Like, they're shutting down really interesting, or maybe not interesting, but at least, like, really appealing ideas because of, like, business arrangements. That's just business, though. I know, but this whole podcast is about being sad about capitalism. That is true. (laughs) We're just staying on brand. That is very on brand. We're just staying on brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I would love to see a cool uh, Star Wars game in a bunch of different forms, but that's just, unfortunately, not what games, that's not how games get made anymore, and that's just sad in general. Like, there's not going to be a Lego Star Wars 3, and there should be. There already is a Lego Star Wars 3. You know what I mean. The one that... Okay, 4. The one that covers the new movies. Shit, there's not! No. Oh, that's actually tragic. They should... Because they should... They should be able to put out Lego Star Wars 1... Like, all nine films when that's done in one thing. But they're never going to work with Warner again, because Infinity's that now. Yeah. Oh man, those Lego Star Wars games are so cool, and it's going to be sad to see them just burned. Yeah. Oh, now I'm annoyed. Now you did it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
I made you sad. Welcome to my world, Jackson. <laughs> God damn it, thank you. Thank you for making me sad. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. Star Wars is dead. Long live Star Wars. I'm probably going to play Disney Infinity, but definitely not Battlefront. That's true. That and true. Jackson, how do you feel about playing Star Wars? I guess, so, part of this is we're totally going to play Nice the Old Republic next year. For I'm cast, very so. excited for that. I'm Me so excited too. for that. Yep. Even though that has almost nothing to do with the Star Wars we're talking about here. No, but who cares? Yeah, that's true. So, we we said this on Twitter. Does, just speculate for a second, does the removal of the expanded universe from Star Wars' canon mean that Jizz is now non-canon? I, I can't live in a world in which Jizz is non-canon. You know? <laughs> Jizz has I to be canon. I can't live if living is without Jizz. <laughs> I need, uh, specifically, I need canonical jizz. Uh, go to your doctor. <laughs> if you have non-canon jizz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please jizz in schools. I'm looking, I'm looking to have younglings someday of my own. I need canonical jizz only. <laughs> Just, I hope I the hope younglings survive. survive. <laughs> Do we have to explain that to people? No. 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 Are you sure? If, if they don't know, they don't explaining count. won't help. But Googling that is so dangerous. Wait. If you Google Star Wars jizz, I'm pretty sure you'll get the right response. Okay. Do you 100% do? Like, I bet there's a filter that if you Google jizz, the first thing that comes up is Star Wars. That's I don't true. think that's, that's true. true. I bet you get Urban Dictionary first, but... I'm going to ruin my Google history. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's no. It is the fourth result, Wikipedia. <laughs> really? But if you, uh, Urban the, Dictionary or Star Wars? Uh, no, Urban Dictionary is the second result. The first result is a porn site. The second result is another porn site. The third result is Star Wars. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> this is a beautiful world. This is okay, beautiful. fine, we'll explain it. In the Star Wars universe, the jazz music that is played by the various bands uh, is have, called I jazz. Have the, I have Wikipedia, Wikipedia right here. Okay. Jizz was an upbeat swinging genre of music, most notably performed by Thick Dan and the Modal Nodes and the Max Rebo Band. Subgenres of Jizz included the styles of Jizz Whale, Ab- uh, Albade, and Glitz. Also, Jats was similar to Jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Jats. Ivar Orbus and his Galactic Jizz Whalers. So, our game club this month is the game that I've been wanting to do ever since we started this. To me, the greatest video game ever made. Which is a ridiculous claim that is not true, but uh, Castlevania, I Symphony of the Night. I Shut up, Jackson. I'm trying to introduce the goddamn game. <laughs> we are playing <laughs> Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, which is a PlayStation game published by Konami. They're a pachinko company that used to make video games. Uh, this came out in 1997. <laughs> Uh, it is the 10th Castlevania game. Would you call it the Citizen Kane of video games? 
So Castlevania Symphony of the Night is a game in which he plays Alucard, the uh, half-human son of Dracula, who finds himself sent into his father's home to clear it out of ruffians and ne'er-do-wells. And he's not so much sent in as runs and slides in by his cool. guilt and good sense to go liberate Dracula's castle from evil. Mm-hmm. He's like, wake up in the morning, like, gotta liberate Dracula's castle from yep. evil. And uh, this is the beginning of the Vania part of Metroidvania games, in that it is a contiguous world with a gridded world map and save points and, like, Metroid accoutrement, but also an RPG sheen in which you can level up and equip items and weapons and cast spells, stuff that is not in Metroid and never was and never will be. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah... It, so I kind of just want you guys to talk about your experience with this because I'll butt in later, but I find it really hard to talk about this game in like a coherent human fashion without just melting down into fanboy Aww. glee. Like a vampire. Yes. Like a vampire okay. melts into fanboy glee. About blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Destiny, you go first. Uh. I like this game. There's something really satisfying about running around, finding more of that map. Gotta get all that map done. Gotta get that map. Gotta get it. And then, you know, you have to find your orbs. Is that what they're called? Not orbs. Relics. You gotta find your relics. So, gotta unclear the map to get more relics. So, that was really satisfying. Also, the fact that this game, playing it in 2015 and it looks looking the way that it does... reminded me of my childhood so that was pleasing even though i didn't own a playstation when i was a child i went from like don't worry no other playstation games look like yes that's okay that's fair then because that's i I felt weird about feeling that way because i went from a 64 to a playstation 2 yes just a bit of context it's worth noting that uh this is a 2d game with some vague like light 3d elements but was almost not released in America because Sony didn't want 2D ga- games cluttering up their beautiful 3D platform. <laughs> I could see that. But yeah, no, I'm glad that it was released the way it was released. Um, the other thing about it is that it is balls hard. Super difficult. But since you know that you can level up and go... Like, okay, let's say, oh, these enemies are too hard and I can't get up to this platform it's like you get you go somewhere else you level up you find a thing that helps you double jump and then it's like oh i can go back to that one place so there's a lot of like backtracking i guess that's the whole thing that's the that's the metroid part yeah or the metroid part okay sorry um yeah so since i've never played metroid i guess this this is my like uh that's my note on that Mm -hmm. um and and also it's it's got the goofiest voice acting. There's a there's a charm to just the way it looks and how like the word sellable is spelled salable and the voice acting is super wooden and the English is really baroque and uh it's fun. I I like this game. Uh yeah, it's a cool thing. Uh I so I I've not played Metroid but I've played a bunch of like uh the metroidvania things that have existed after Mm. it so this has the effect in um 
that I haven't I haven't played Ocarina, but you call it the Ocarina of Time effect. In the uh, like everything in this game has been taken from this game, so it feels like this weird incomplete version. I actually disagree specifically with Castlevania, but oh uh, yes, because uh, lots of apparently the future Castlevania games don't have the things that I thought were missing, uh, and it goes in a different directions because. I like, I played a bunch of Shadow Complex and stuff like that, and uh, games which focus way more on the Metroid side of things with the doors and like the color coding and being very specific about whether you have missed something or not, rather yeah. than just a red that, yeah. door. Yeah. Also, almost none of the Metroid like modern Metroidvanias have RPG mechanics. They're explicitly upgrade yeah. based. Yeah, mm-hmm. which takes away the beauty, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was it was like really strange coming to this game as a like historical thing because of my weird experience around it but i enjoyed it a lot i didn't think it was the greatest game ever made but i was never going no, to of course not uh, no so for me it's weird because like this is a game i had no actual uh n- like childhood nostalgia for i didn't play this game until i was in college and a friend had a copy and I'd heard about it as a great game, and I'm like, okay, I'll give this a shot, whatever. I was never, like, I, I was like, I'm not a Castlevania person, but people talk it up, and I like 2D games. Because this was back when 2D games were a rarity uh, anymore, because once 3D happened, 2D just went away for 10 years, uh, outside of handheld games. Um, but, so for me, the thing that I like, so, it's worth saying, like, I knew Castlevania because I had, like, played Castlevania 1. I don't think I ever owned it, but I, like, rented it. And Castlevania 1 through four and probably past those but i haven't really touched those are action platformers specifically like there's worlds and levels and you go from left to right and you kill everything and you fight bosses and you just go through a stage and they're yeah and you whip and it's really hard and like really specific about how you play it uh they're like really methodical plotting games uh and that's part of their appeal but when you get to symphony of the night and alucard's like streaking through the forest and just has like oh, the so shadows good. behind him and then you get into this castle and it's like you you kill everything in one hit and it's just giant werewolves bursting into flame as you mow through everything and then become mm-hmm. depowered and suddenly like have to punch a skeleton to death to get a sword <laughs> <laughs> um there's something about yeah. the like impossibility of the thing in front of you in symphony of the night that like none of the other castlevanias like Castle like the neck the Egovanias after this, there's like six of them and they're all pretty decent. Uh to some of them I think are like one of them specifically I think is a better game than Symphony of the Night. It just doesn't hit me in the same way. Um, which is uh the GBA Aria of Sorrow. Um but which is specifically a sequel to this game in like very real concrete ways. Uh, uh who's what's it about? The Soma Cruz Dracula was defeated in nineteen ninety nine and it's twenty thirty five in Japan. Oh, it's yes. that one. Whoa. Um, it's really good. Uh, and um, so the, the interesting thing is this game, it because it's like built on these foundations of old 2D games, but has all this modern technology, the castle is just impossibly large. And not only does the entire, like, by the time you finish the castle, you're like, oh man, I've just been through this incredible experience. But then there's an entire second half of the game on top of it, like literally on top of it. In that there's a second inverse castle on top of the first castle. Uh, the, but 
every corner is packed with like weird obscurities. Like the enemies that drop like random food that barely helps you, but is just like, like it's not just the turkey wall meats, but it's like here's a tea set and here's a cheeseburger. Yeah, here's a frankfurter. Yeah, or just in case, or that there's like literally dozens of weapons and some of them do really strange things that like the game doesn't actually surface for you. Like there's weapons that allow you to do like teleport attacks if you just do like a like a sure you can move with them. So you'll just tell yeah, what? like some of the swords. What? If you do like a sure you can, you'll just teleport to the behind the enemy and like backstab them. Oh, I've done that. I don't understand how that happened. I must have had something equipped, but that's weird. Yeah, or the magical spells that the game never asks you to use, but you can collect them, and they're basically like the Dracula skills from when you fight Dracula, like the three fireballs and stuff like that. Uh, or like the obscure, like the more obscure sub weapons, like the cross that cro- causes like the huge like beam of light and the damaging crosses, which is like a really rare sub weapon. Um, and it's all of these little things. It's like the confessional that you can like sit in and just like ghosts appear. And you get stabbed for no reason. And you can't fight back. Yeah. Because if you try to fight them back, uh, you stand Look, up. Look, have you ever tried to fight fight back when you got stabbed? Or, I couldn't. Like, if I stood up, it disappeared. Or, like, the weird, like, uh, like the headless skeletons are, like, kicking their own head around just as, like, a sprite effect. Um, or when you kill the witches, they turn into cats to flee away from you. Like, just the little touches. There's just so many tiny storytelling bits of absurdity. Like... There's a guy drinking in, like, a room with a fountain that's, like, an enemy. He's just sitting there, like, boozing it up. It's just, like, sprites mm. in the background that indicate that that's what he's been doing. Just waiting for someone to show up to fight. Uh, <laughs> to me, this is, like, the in- like the pinnacle of what a really expensive 2D game could be, like a sprite game, in that you tell so many stories just through this, like, shoving the game full of every sprite imaginable and putting them in these interesting combinations. It's like a peep into a future that never existed of what the, like, if you combine the detail of, like, the detail and just fidelity of a large thing created by a massive mm-hmm. team, uh, I guess by that standard, yeah. large team, uh, uh, with, a, like, really authored direction of, like, sense of, like, there's a reason uh, that Iga is a mm-hmm. name. And all the stuff you combine it with, like that with that, and also with like two D sprites and this aesthetic. So the combination of all these things, like this game shouldn't exist, <laughs> and it's like, and all of the future ones were small side games on handhelds, and I'm sure they were great, but they would never like be this like extravagant or yeah. lavish again. Yeah, right? I mean, like they're visually very similar because those platforms end up having similar power by the end, but it just feels different when it's like you're, you're on a TV and you just have. Like these incredible vistas of like the polygon clouds like rocketing away in the distance. Like there's just a constant storm both on the ground and the sky when you're in the castle and can see into like the space beyond. Or like mm-hmm. your save icon is a polygonal coffin that surrounds itself around you and then explodes outward every single time. <laughs> Me, mm-hmm. it's 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 great. Like it's and like the save icon just imp- like what that implies about how your character mm-hmm. exists yeah it's yeah. so good because like not only is Alucard like a vampire and there's like powers around it like some of the spells you get if you attack enemies you like regain health because he's like draining blood from them specifically like he gets the Dracula powers if you want them uh, it's implied that he like knows 
well, he knows death and he knows the librarian who's your shopkeeper. So he used to like live in this castle and be part of it, uh, before he like turned against his father. And all this stuff's really implied. Uh, we'll have a reading list of stuff along with this episode, but so many of the narratives around this game from like modern game writers are about this game is like a narrative of like either reclaiming personal identity or like recovering from abuse in that Alucard's a character who's defined by his ties to Dracula and the game is clearly like it communicates it through all of the thudding production values of voice recording in 1997 but it's so what is a man and it's great <laughs> like that's just awesome it's iconic for a reason I actually think it works way better than like Resident Evil like the original Resident Evil stuff which is just bad and cheesy without like the charm Jill yeah sandwich. but like miserable pile of secrets throws the glasses way better than you know, Jill Sandwich, Master of Unlocking. This looks like Chris's blood. <laughs> well, the, the difference between, like, those two and the storytelling styles is that uh, by the end of Symphony of the Night, it's very clear that, like, the game is deliberately, narratively going for this melancholy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's not just the tone of the game. It also is explicit about the way... Like, it's the, the amount of writing there is so small... But the things it wants to convey is atmosphere and tone rather than, like, plot pushing yeah. along. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is so effective at what it wants to do. Like, it just takes a short detour to, like, have... Let Alucard have a dream of his mother uh, and, like, revisit that part of his past. And before that moment, you had no idea that that was even important to his yeah. character. But, like, it's, like, one of the most profound moments of the game where, like, he stumbles across basically the lair of the succubus and she puts him in this memory of his mom being killed by nondescript uh eastern europe villagers back in the day presumably for mm -hmm. shacking up with dracula uh yeah probably <laughs> and the way that dracula like rejects the vision like acknowledges its reality but rejects the things that the succubus is implying uh is is like really character defining and like maria who is a side character in the game prior to this rondo of blood ends up like she starts the game like i need to save the hero of the last game richter and it ends up with her like i need to save alucard even though he clearly doesn't want anything to do with humans like the sense of like the tragedy of alucard is mostly implied in like the suggested tones of the conversations but it's really there yeah i feel like it gets completely explicit oh sure I guess it depends on what ending you like, get. So I, I got the end. I haven't seen the other mm -hmm. endings, uh, but I got the ending in which you kill Dracula and he and Dracula have this like really poignant. That always is the same. Okay. So that was the same. And then he's like, okay, peace. I'm going to go sleep again. The world needs to be free of my blood. Goodbye. Uh, okay. In, in the like best version of the ending, Maria goes after him. And he's like, Richter, I'm sorry, but I need to, like, I think that we could, like, save him and the world oh. needs him and he's not evil. So I'm going to go and convince him to, like, live in the world of humans. That's yeah. really cool. How did you get did that 100 You have to thing? get above 196%. Oh, worth noting, if you have not played this game, the percentage completion <laughs> of this game is a ludicrous and I feel like indicative of the baroqueness of everything else. 200.6%. Yep. <laughs> Because until the end of the game, like until the second half of the game, there is zero indication that there is another yeah. castle. Yeah, what I I didn't know until I had I I didn't finish the game confession, but uh, 
because it's too hard but it's too hard the video i watched i was like oh oh there's oh because <laughs> when matt kept yep. saying oh that map that's not even everything i was like oh there's probably some what underground are you talking about? stuff little mm-hmm. did i know no there's a second castle that's crazy yeah and yeah it's ridiculous and uh, but l- luckily all i did with the second castle was immediately go get the fucking oh, yeah. weapon so let's <laughs> talk about mechanics uh, destiny finish your thought and then we'll move on to mechanics oh i was going to say that um i can see why people replay this game years and years and years later because there's no way you get to everything in well you two so you plays. can but it's interesting because like there's so much that you can just choose to make your character build about. Like, if you pick a different type of weapon, like, if you decide I'm going to use magic primarily, or I'm going to use, like, fists or knuckles uh, most of the time, like, it incredibly changes how you play the game. Uh, I played with the Holy Rod mm-hmm. in the show. The Holy Rod's really good, so... Yep. Uh, but, uh, so, Jackson, mechanically... <laughs> uh, I told you the secret to if you need to get rid of bosses really fast, which is the shield rod and the Alucard shield once you get it in the second castle, used in conjunction to basically create a win the game button in which your shield will just do like basically infinite amounts of damage over time as you heal yourself while using it. That's amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, how did that even get added? Uh, it's just meant to be there for people who find it. Yeah, you just you don't I, know it does that when you pick it up. Do you? you don't like the game does not surface that the shield rod. So the shield rod interacts with every one of the shields in a different way. But with the Alucard shield, it specifically just turns that shield into like death. Wow. So so it's like it's a thing that's hidden, but it's made for a world like it's made for a pre-game facts world. Basically, I assume this is a game that made game facts. Matter, I, right? I don't know about that. Because it, it ran since sure. 96. I didn't get on GameFAQs until a little later, and I didn't play this game until 2005, 2004, something like that. Is there, like, a big guide to this that was published eventually? I don't know. I don't remember. I, I would assume not if Sony didn't even want to put it out. So, the interesting maybe. thing is, this game was not particularly, like, huge when it released, at least in America. Like, it, it was a cult classic. It was critically well-reviewed, even though there are reviews that knock it for being a 2D game. They're like, <laughs> because the era in which I, this game came out is the worst. Also, this game came out to go back to came out movies. the same year as a little darling called Final Fantasy VII, which ruined slash changed everything. I thought Symphony of the Night was 96. No. I'm just wrong. I'm just wrong. I'm just wrong. Yeah. March 97, and I think uh, uh, 7 is fall of 97. Okay, March 97 in Japan, October 2nd, 97 in America. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. There is a strategy that guide sense. that exists. You can buy it on Amazon. Okay. Cool. But, uh, yeah, so the, the, the game specifically is part navigating the, the castle, which is a challenge in and of itself, which is the typical like Castlevania platforming, though you can't fall to your death anymore, which is nice. Because, Jackson, you've been slowly picking through Castlevania. Falling to your death is a very real threat i've been playing a bunch of castlevania yep. one because it is very good for just hey i've got a couple minutes to play a game i'm gonna play this and castlevania one is great yep. for that like it feels so yep. good but once you get past like level three or once you get into the like the latter half of the second or third world it's just impossible as soon as it becomes about jumping fuck <laughs> fuck that game I forever that game. 
I know you did. And fucking forever. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it is great. Fuck that guy. But um, yeah, you can check out my Vania Mania series about Castlevania. I played through it. It was good. I'd never done that before because that game is really hard. Jackson's not wrong. Uh, but the second part of that game that I actually is the thing that I think of when I think of Castlevania is ludicrous and amazing boss battles. Yes. Which in this game specifically become like multi-screen monstrosities of just like the most enormous collection of sprites you could possibly fit into a space. <laughs> one of like the, what was the boss called? The big one. So people in the game it's called Grand Falloon, but in later games it's called Legion and I always just call it Legion. So that's, that's known yeah, as Legion. I, yeah. If you say, if you say I, Castlevania Legion, people will know, people will think of that thing first. I, that is one of the best bosses in any yeah. video game. Like, it, ever like it's what it impl- like, it's not hard like it's difficult and it hand requires strategy but like what it implies about the things you are fighting the actions you are taking and the context of this world that you're in it's just it basically puts all other just you're fighting a big monster style basses in battles and games to shame in terms of how it uses this fight to contextualize mm-hmm. everything. so the original castlevania basically was like universal horror monsters you like fought the mummy and you fought the frankenstein's monster and you fought death which i guess is not a universal horror monster but you know like it was very like all of the spooky archetypes and by the oh it's just it's very Japan yeah. in that way. And just, hey, what do we want? We'll take the things, put them in so, the game. But by the time you get to Castlevania, that or by Civil the Night, it extrapolates out to, like, Legion is the demon that Jesus casts into, like, a like the uh, herd of pigs. That's like, we are Legion, and it's just, like, the mass of souls in hell. Uh, and that's what you're fighting. That's just a mid-game boss. Or uh, the, uh, I think it's... Uh, Galmarog or whatever it's the hardest boss in the game it's the big fuck you lightning guy uh is like an egyptian god and he's just like a giant anubis kind of creature that just shoots lightning bolts as a real asshole uh and uh all of those like weird obscure bosses i think like lend the game like a sense of otherworldliness that like isn't really captured by anything outside of maybe like shin megami tensei in the way that it just allows all of the things that are like evil and kind of spooky to inhabit the same space like did you fight beelzebub in your game jackson i think beelzebub's like the decaying corpse on the hooks with all the flies around it yes yeah that one's great because you just knock body parts off and the body parts are like sprites that are bigger than alucard and they're just all like segmented together and they all break apart in like really spectacular fashion yeah, and the way I had to fight it was like jumping around and like make like it was a challenge. I ha- I had the big fuck you weapon. Yeah, the no, the way the way to. that you're actually supposed to fight that is you do it after you get poison mist and you just float in the middle of him and blow him up. But I didn't have it this time, <laughs> and so I yeah I had to jump up and like hit him and then fall back down and jump up and hit him. But yeah, those like the, the, the design they're like they're still like ter- like terrifying in just their implications to this day. Uh, like it's a month later, and I'm still thinking about the look at that, yeah. that game as an atmospheric thing. It's, yeah, it's great. Because, like it allows that space to be both like a clear video game space, but have so much character in just its backgrounds and like its music and its mm-hmm. world design. Like it's just packed full of stuff at all turns. Yeah, and like th- it is very difficult for a 3D world, which is just by its nature focused on something more tactile. Mm-hmm. 
even the abstract ones like it's very difficult for anyone to come close to that level of just evolutiveness like because it's sprites it's really easy for like when you fight the werewolves and you kill them they turn back into humans and like scream before they burst into flames it's just like their death animation Mm -hmm. and like that wouldn't happen no absolutely not because it's take too long like it's just yeah now i'm sad about 2d i know again i know so yeah um and worth noting that the game with one of the best soundtracks with one of the best looks has maybe the worst possible end credit song of any video game ever <laughs> which will probably be closing out this episode because i hate you all <laughs> it is the most <laughs> soft jazz nightmare video game it's the worst it's so bad i can't remember it Oh, it's it's so it's worse than the one in uh, in Metal Gear Solid, and that's saying a lot. Really, I like the one in Metal Gear no, Solid. It's terrible. Oh, right, yeah, just 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 soft yeah, jazz. Yeah, no, it's just soft jazz. <laughs> I actually don't hate this. I think this is I fine. not only do I hate it, it's totally in Congress with everything else that game has going on musically. No, yes. like yes, but as an ending, it's fine. Like that end, that game ends with the sunlight. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't mean that all of your cool rock music has to turn into awful soft jazz. <laughs> that's not how. That's not how music works. What a horrible night to have a jazz. Yep. What a horrible night to have a jazz. <laughs> Any last thoughts about Castlevania? Uh, I have the old Castlevania reviews loaded up on my. You want to give now. me some choice Thanks quotes? From the time for the trap for those Trappist monks among us who have managed to miss out on the last ten years of video gaming, Castlevania and its sequels are traditional two D side rolling platform arcade adventures that have always followed the same basic premise. That is ninety seven. Yep. Uh, this is yeah. They liked it. They liked yeah. it a lot. What them calling it a retro game in ninety seven is yeah. I mean, it was me side scrolling two D. Yep. On a PlayStation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious because I still yeah. think I don't think most games released in 2015 are as refined as Symphony of the Night, and yet it's the retro game. <laughs> I. It's very. It is very rare for a game just envision and like to be as coherent yeah. and cohesive. Especially when it's cohesion. Like, its cohesion nature. is defined by just being a mishmash of a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> but but it, like. It, you're right, but yeah, it is incredibly cohesive about that yep. mishmash. It's all in there for a reason, even if it's a weird reason. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night is easily one of the best games ever released, and a true testament to the fact that two-day gaming is not dead by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, they're going to have a really bad rest of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the end of the review. There's one more sentence. It's, the game is very large and will keep you entertained for a long time. <laughs> And it certainly did. (laughs) Also worth noting, if you play this game and want a good time after you've beaten it or if you get bored, I think think you just have to type in Richter as your name and you can play as Richter and he just plays like a Castlevania character. Like he has a whip. He doesn't have magic. I don't think he levels up. I think he gets more hit points when you kill bosses. And he doesn't like all the doors are unlocked. Like he can just go wherever. Oh really? They just made another new version of the game. What? 
They just made another yeah. move. Like it's like of that game. It's, that gameplay, like when you do it that way, it plays out in like about three hours because he moves faster and he hits harder. But it's a great time. Yeah, wow. no, he does move faster. That's great. I, I might try that. I just uh, we're playing the PS One yes. version on the PS3, but like I think there's another version that has Maria unlocked as well. Okay, so there is a Dreamcast or not a Dreamcast, a Saturn version of that game that came out afterwards Saturn, yes. and has like two new areas and you can play as maria it's only in that version did they not bring that to like no by all accounts that game is really bad because the saturn isn't as powerful as the playstation so like load times are more and like a lot of the like graphical effects are like turned down um like there isn't the transparencies and there isn't like the fog effects and stuff um and it just doesn't play as well like it's hitchier and not as fluid uh, I've never played it. It's like an obscure like curiosity that it exists at all because like nobody cares about Saturn at least in this country. I assumed a lot of that stuff had made it to no. the other, like, so, future versions. If you play the 360 version, you just need to make sure you go into the options and turn off the smoothing because they have sprite smoothing options. Because oh, hang on, I'm uh, I'm going to I'm in the like Wikipedia page and Igarashi didn't like his name wasn't on the Saturn version. Yeah. Um. That's a Ninja Gaiden Sigma situation. Um, otherwise, the 360 version's fine outside of the fact that the D-pad on that controller is garbage. But if you're okay with that, I got all the achievement points in that game. There's only 200 of them because it's an Xbox Live Arcade game. They had to increase the size of Xbox Live Arcade to get that game onto it. And they did that. Remember <laughs> back in the day when 50 megabytes yep. was like, can't be larger than uh, that. It's, <laughs> it's got a border around it. It plays exactly the same. Like, it's a good version of the game. Uh, if you have a PS3 or a Vita or whatever a ps1 uh play the ps1 version that's the one you want um i think you can unlock the game in the psp version of castlevania chronicles bloodlines there's a psp castlevania game that's like a 3d remake of rondo of blood and you can unlock symphony night in that game also cool those are the ways you can play that game that's cool but you should you should totally play this game it is cool Yeah, like feel free to look up all of the weird curiosities of that game because there's a lot of stuff that's just like so obscure like it's meant to just be stumbled upon as a matter of mm-hmm. course yeah and there's an, like there's a way there's enough of that stuff that you you will stumble upon like a few by like any player will always stumble upon yep. a couple of them so yeah it's cool all right Hey guys, Castlevania, good game. It's so good. Please, please play it's it. What of a horrible night for a curse. Right, segment four is your questions. If you have questions, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com and we'll answer them. You can also send like stories and bullshit too. We'll we'll respond to those, whatever. Yeah. Jackson, give us our first question. Okay, well our first question is from Dylan Schneider, and it is what are your top five pocket monsters? Top five favorite pocket monsters. <laughs> okay. I'll let you guys go first. Top five? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have an answer. Snorlax. Snorlax is a good one. Uh, I like 
Evie, um, Charizard. No, 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 no. Squirtle. Uh, this is difficult. I don't, I don't know. What's the name of that thing with the big eyes, the purple thing? Wobbuffet? No. <laughs> no. That's blue. Uh, not the, not Wobbuffet. Esper? Uh, oh, yes. Esper is the name of that thing. And Jigglypuff. Yeah, Jigglypuff. It's good. This is a great remake of the Chris Rock You don't movie. have any, Jackson, you said? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I, Pokemon are cool. Uh, like, Snorlax would definitely be on there, because Snorlax is cute. He's so hell. cute. He's so cute. So mine would probably be Wobbuffet, because Wobbuffet is clearly the best Pokemon ever made. Anyone who says differently is full of shit. Uh, <laughs> Blastoise. Arcanine. I like Arcanine a lot. Uh, I don't even know who that is. It is the uh, evolution of Growlithe. It's the giant fire dog that's like striped like a tiger. He's in the intro. Oh, he is cool. Um, He's very okay. cool. Uh, I really like Breloom a lot. Breloom is like a... It's like a little mushroom guy. He, he's like a, oh, he's like a fighter cool. dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got the yeah. hat. Uh, Probopass, which is the evolution of Nosepass. He's just a giant rock with a mustache. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Man, sure. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon. I like Victini a lot. I know he's like a legendary whatever, but he's fucking cute as shit. Like, come on. He's Victini. How could you hate Victini? What does he look like? Uh, Jackson will have to link you to all of these, I feel like. Yep. I'll, I'll you can't you describe him. He's little and he's red. He looks like a little fox. He's like a fennec fox, basically. Okay. Even though there is a there's then a starter that's actually based on a fennec fox. Uh, yeah, that one's cute. Ah, v- little Victoria fire looks type. Dumb. Victoria looks dumb. This is my no. review. Of and then uh, uh, Kifi, which is the key ring Pokemon. I think that Pokemon's goofy. Yeah, but he's great. That's cool. I like my ghost types. I like uh, psychic types. I like, um, I'll say it, I like a Vulpix. I like a, what's the green plant lady? Gardevoir? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit or, it. Or, or Blossom. I like the Blossom's Gardevoir. the one you're thinking of. Wait, what? Which one? Gord- Gardevoir? Gardevoir, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I only know Blossom. I was thinking of Blossom. Oh, I didn't. I what's the Gardevoir actually isn't Gardevoir. a plant lady. She's just psychic. Blossom is the one I thought of when you thought of plant lady. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoops. Sorry. But I knew who. I knew exactly who Destiny was talking about. Because I played with that one a lot when I had X mm-hmm. or when I played X Y. Yep. Oh, and also, um, shoot, I had it. What's the one that's like the Loch Ness monster with the shell? Lapras. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah Lapras. gorgeous Lop- Lapras. So. For me, it's weird because, like, I like ghost types a lot, too, but I started with Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue, and ghost types were like, oh, they're spooky and super powerful because, like, they're really strong against, like, psychics, and psychic types in the first game were super OP and unbalanced. Like, they were just so powerful. Um, But the problem is all of the first-generation ghost Pokemon are ghost poison, and poison is weak against psychic, so... All of the ghost Pokemon that are supposedly really good against psychic Pokemon in the first generation were terrible against the thing that they were good at. Uh, 
And for me, it always colored ghost Pokemon, even though now ghost Pokemon are much more diverse and much more interesting. Probably the coolest ghost Pokemon is Chandelure, which is the Chandelier ghost Pokemon. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of cool ghost Pokemon now. It makes me sad that I don't really care about Pokemon anymore. Uh, Who's your least favorite pocket monster? Is it Pikachu? Lucario. Pikachu is close second. <laughs> But Lucario uh, is clearly no. the worst Pokemon. Lucario is Lu- hideous. Luca- Lucario is just what if you made a cool that's Pokemon? That's it. Like that's, not cool. that's the problem. Lucario to me, so I'll get into it. But Lucario to me is basically Pokemon Goku. Like he's made to appeal to twelve year olds. He sucks. We already had a Pokemon Goku. Uh, Blaziken was Pokemon Goku, and he was cool because he was a starter I... and he kicked things and he was a chicken. But Lucario, Lucario, yeah, Lucario exists for like DeviantArt and I hate him. Pikachu, I only dislike because he's become a mascot and he's like a garbage Pokemon to begin with. Uh, I think he's cute. He's cute. He's so cute. The the ubiquity of Pikachu, I find really distasteful. Give me Pikachu dancing vines all day. Pikachu uh, 3DS themes for life. The Pikachu alikes, like the Pachirisus of the world, like I, and the Plusle and Minans of the world, I hate way more than Pikachu. That's funny. Oh yeah, who like who? I don't. I mean, like... Raichu gets a pass. Raichu is cooler than Pikachu. I don't like <laughs> the bland ass birds like Pidgey. Pidgeot. Pidgeotto. I love Pidgeotto. You shut up. Bland ass bird. <laughs> yeah, they're cool though. I, I don't know. <laughs> I've, always, I've always loved the thing is like in in the actual can of Pokemon, like Pidgeotto is like as tall as your character. That's scary. Yeah, That's it's scary. just That's giant fucking birds. Like they're awesome. I don't like it. <laughs> Nah. So those Best those are my Pokemon. Pokemons. Let me show Best you them. Is... Best is Togemon. No. Next question, Jackson. <laughs> he's a giant cactus. With I mean, he bones. is cool, but he's not a Pokemon. <laughs> Next question. I could have said Wargrave when I mentioned. Yeah, I know. Angry. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, well, uh, next email comes in from Jackson Tyler. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. Long-time host, first-time writer. Just curious as to some of what some of your favorite title screens in games, both uh, press start screens as the game loads, and also like late title cards within stories. Metroid Prime's open, like menu splash screen is like one of the greatest things I've ever like. The oh, like the, when the title screen can give you chills, you know you've done something right. That's true. Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it is it specifically the like? the jukebox landing on Cranky Kong and, like, rapping Donkey Kong, or is it that terrible JPEG that shows afterwards? No, no, it's the rap. Okay, good. Because Kid Me thought that was comedy gold. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, my God, me and my sister would play it over and over. And we should trust you. You are the comedian here. Um, (laughs) Young Me was amazed by Mario 64's just touch Mario and warp his face. Stretch that nose. Yeah. Pull that lip over that head. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, I had a uh, mystical ninja star or featuring Gomon. Which I've I never played that. Really goofy. It's got this really great Japanese song, and then there's one little English bit where he's like fighting now, and it's delightful. It's the most anime thing. Uh, a title screen I really liked. I I didn't get all the way through the game because whatever. But I really like the title screen of Catherine. Yeah, it's good. It has a great title. The screen. Uh, the inclusion of like certification requirements in games in the modern era has kind of ruined title screens in a lot of ways. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a shame. Um, I'm trying to think of like other good ones, like hmm. other notable ones. Like I really like Mass Effects. 
the first one's like minimalism in how sure but it's done. just it's Here's just the title screen though right uh yeah but it doesn't mean i don't okay, like that's it that's fair uh, it does well within those constraints but for the most part something comes up it says press start you can press start there's a big mm-hmm. menu uh, Donkey I Kong feel like 94. <laughs> All the Donkey Kongs. <laughs> uh, but I sh- like I like the Persona ones. Like Atlas does comes those, out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are just Persona. like beautiful menus. Like that's just yeah. UI design yeah. more than anything. But the problem is like that's what a good title screen is. It's just great UI. Oh yeah, the Persona Persona three and four. Those are gorgeous. Sure, but like just because of cert requirements, like the idea of doing something more abstract with a title screen just doesn't yep. really. Uh, Man, Metroid Prime is so good. Like just thinking about it makes me very excited that that's a real thing that exists. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of other ones. I, I the cert requirement on title screens must be going away. Now, I would hope right? so. Like that. Because like Metal Gear Solid Five doesn't like it. Ha- it barely mm-hmm. has one. Like when you load it up, it just goes into yeah. the game, uh, which is annoying because it has a really like interesting opening and there's no way to pre- like ever see it again. Because mm. <laughs> um, it doesn't. They just took out the new game option completely. Streets of but... Rage. What's the Streets of Rage? Isn't it from? like they have to explain what's going on? Oh sure, but that's just like pre-title like story stuff. Doesn't that count though? Mm, no, I don't. I don't know. It's before you push start, isn't it? Sure, but it's not like the title. Like the like to me, the title screen is like displays the name of the game and allows you to select new game options, stuff like that. Oh, okay. I loaded up the Streets of Rage title screen. It's pretty good. It's just three like people ready yep. to fight with a city in the yeah. background, but it's really like it's it looks nice like a cheesy action. If you want something. a good time, Streets of Rage, Street Rage Two are on 3DS in beautiful 3D conversions. They're great. Play them. They're, they're, all those Sega games, 3D-wise, are great. Love that Halo. Love when it goes, <laughs> Like the, the great thing is that Metroid Prime is clearly riffing on Halo in its title screen. <laughs> but it does it so much it's better. good. Oh. Oh, the Halo title screen. It, the problem is it's almost there. So I guess Metroid Prime just takes it to the point of not being yeah, Have you seen Metroid Prime's opening one? I have, I because I have started a new okay. game on a GameCube. Yeah, because Metroid Prime Primes is like it's like the interior of a Metroid, and it's just like this like bizarre science background, and then it's the Metroid theme, but it's like vocal, but also like really electronic and distorted. It just sounds really ominous, and it just really hits at what that game is good at doing to the Metroid universe really well. Uh-huh. I've seen the opening of Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. Uh, which isn't the title screen; it's like the yeah. credits. And I didn't, I didn't realize that game opened. Yeah, it's does. amazing. It's like that's so good. That's like more of a just tonal yeah. cinematic like centering of a game than most games today. Like the way just the the panning, the font, the Metroid Three. Yeah. It's pretty. Like, I I didn't realize they called it Metroid Three in yeah. the game. Uh, and I feel like that's a better title. Like it's a really good title in the like it's because uh, it's evoking Alien so much. It just gets mm-hmm. immediately across, uh, immediately across the idea that this thing is like continuing to yeah. happen, and the number gives the events of the game significance because of how they like that genre works with its franchises. Yeah. It's super cool. It's uh, my thoughts. So we have another question. Uh, one more question from uh, R.J. Davnell. Rick uh, says. 
Uh, what do you make of the extended universe slash canon of Star Wars? Have you read many of the extended universe novels? And if so, how have they shaped your understanding of the core franchise? Uh, do you think there's merit in spreading world building and narrative across multiple different formats and many separate pieces of work? Best fishes, RJ. To the second to last question, I say yes. And then I'm not going to answer anymore. Uh, and what I like about this question is there's no reference to the fact that none of that matters anymore in Star Wars. Yeah, but, like, uh, so I've read, I read Split of the Mind's Eye, which doesn't really count for anything. Uh, Shadow of the Empire, because everyone of my age, I feel like, read that book. Um, the X-Wing and Rogue Squadron books, uh, because I liked playing games in which I was spaceships and not Jedi, because whatever, Jedi suck. And some of the new Jedi Academy, which is Luke training, like, the solo twins and everyone else. Like, there's a young Wookiee that is, like, a... Badly named, aren't they? Jesus. What, Janie and Jason? No, the solo twins. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. You're the worst. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I didn't go deep into that stuff, uh, but I, I enjoyed what I read. I think that it's fine to have, like, a universe for fandom to go down. I think for your pri- your primary sources, like your movies... And maybe you're, maybe TV shows to a certain extent, it depends on what it is, but like those things have to be coherent in and of themselves. Uh, we, me and Destiny literally just watched episode three last night and the first 30 minutes of that movie are not episode three. It's the end of the Clone Wars. And it's, yeah, it's, got nothing it's to do really weird because like the stuff, like the stuff that it sets up at the opening crawl is the end of the 2D animated Clone Wars show. And it's really weird that it's like tied into that and not like its own separate contained thing. Um, and it kind of just expects you to like know that, Hey, that's General Grievous. He's a robot guy who coughs a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's like. I think it's bad to expect your audience to, like, buy into multiple aspects. It's okay to, like, enrich them if they want to go down those paths, but your primary sources should remain self-contained and everything extend out from that. Uh, I have, like, a couple thoughts on this in that I think... Like, there's one example, which is the Star Wars Mm -hmm. one, uh, which is slightly different in that it's had, like, a bunch of different... uh, like manifest not manifest, like versions over the years so you've had post 1982 i don't know when oh 83 yeah. that was it but basically post jedi when the expanded universe was all there was and that's basically where star trek is now because there's new movies have fallen flat on their face and that you have a new like a post uh original source new universe people that want to dive into uh, but that's different to things living around the texts and like slipping their way between them uh, like, I, I I love this and the idea of it. I love the idea of there's a bunch of different stories that all link together and form this coherent universe. I think a better example of something like this would, I don't, I've never actually read it because I'm a baby, but like, didn't, like the Stephen King books do something like this in that it's less about one story that has lots of things, but it's just a world. Yeah, but they're, they're self-contained world. to Stephen King books. And also, sure. none of the books require you to read other books to understand sure. them. Yeah, but I think that's like a that's a valid way sure, of doing it. It's but like just like story. Basically but- what what I'm saying is like for like a movie franchise that has like tie in books and comics, the movies cannot rely upon you having read those. But I the agree. books and mo- the books and comics can rely upon you having seen the movies. That's fine and expected. Yeah, I just think there's a difference between 
uh, franchise that is this open thing in which everything gives context to each other, and a franchise which is a brand and it has the flagship sure. products and the things that are fo- like that is they are two fundamentally different things. And but uh, I would extended love to- universe like argue like not just Star Wars extended universe, but the idea of the like an extended universe for anything is different than all of my works take place in the same universe. Sure, like, I, I, I was bringing that up as mm-hmm. an example and didn't really know, but, um, like, I know that there are there's stuff like that in which a lot of work or different works go on for a long time and thus, like, build this natural, like, tapestry yeah. of stuff and the forced, there are a thousand Assassin's Creed book style of yeah, things. Yeah, which is bad. Uh, but, like, even the natural side, like, Marvel was like, hey, all of our heroes are just going to cross over, but now you have a universe in which no one, like, unless you're super into it and read a wiki, no one knows what's going on. Like, it becomes impenetrable. And even there are, like, movies that are meant to be the mass market version of quickly becoming that, too. <laughs> I've, yeah, I have no idea what's going on in this stuff. Not one at all. Uh, I think an interesting one of this is Halo. Um, in games at least because <laughs> for the first few games they're like ignoring the yeah it's like the stuff that got written around it and they're only now trying to like fold in an entire decades of expanded universe stuff that only like, but it's, it's interesting because it feels stuff. like they're folding it in but not like requiring you to know it no but like for me it's like fuck kelly's in this game shit fred's there i gotta get in on this because i'm a baby you got you got <laughs> master chief and fred john kelly fred and sam the arbiter <laughs> kelly the, uh, Ke- kelly is a sn- no wait is kelly a sniper or is fred the sniper i think fred's the sniper Kelly's really fast that's her okay. deal sam is master chief's best friend guess what he is uh a hobbit the correct answer was he is the sad, poignant death in the middle of the first okay. book. <laughs> Was that it for our questions? Uh, yeah, that's it for the All questions. Right. Uh, like I said, if you have questions, podcast at normalmapping.com. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap this up. Next month, we are playing B-Swing. I think that's how you pronounce it. I need to... to I'm going to... If they don't explain the etymology of B-Swing, is it B-Swing or is it B-Swing? Yeah. I've just always said B-Swing. I don't know why. Uh... But it's by uh, Jack King Swooner. It's on Steam, or I think you can get it on like Humble or Itchio or something. I don't know. It's like five dollars. Uh, I I remember that game specifically having like a call out. Hey, buy this game on Itchio because oh. that's where the like the artist is not the most well off, and that's the way to support them. So, and you get a Steam key that way. So buy the game yeah. on Itchio. Um, and uh, we'll be doing that one. Uh. If you want to rate and review us, you can do that on iTunes. Please do. We need all of your ratings, five stars only. Like I said, if you don't like us, give us five stars anyway, and then write us an email and tell us what we could improve, because we'll listen. And then and then we'll be yeah. better. I mean, we we might not listen to you if you're not like nice or if your ideas are bad, but... Just have constructive criticism. Yep. That's all we ask. Yeah. Other than that, where can we find Destiny? At BridgeBuzzNow on Twitter and on BadlandGirls.com. And where can we find Jackson? At HeadfulsOff on Twitter and HeadfulsOff.com. Also on the podcast Trashback Ratio and GoofZone, which is at Goof.Zone. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at LitRock. And you can find the YouTube stuff. We do YouTube stuff. Jackson's playing... What? Have you decided what you're going to be playing? 
Uh, well, it's going to be City Skylines for another couple, like a little okay. bit longer. But not and, like, I'll always leave a week's buffer before I'm going okay. to City Skylines, uh, and that's been great fun because past Jackson does not know how to play City Skylines. Uh, Future, present Jackson is still catching up. But. Uh, and uh, Mario 3, which you sometimes are good at. And uh, I'm playing Fallout still, forever, always. That's it. We're done. Goodbye. Everybody go home. Bye. I'm already at home. You should leave and come back. (laughs) Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Just like the sun